to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi everyone, this is Adrienne Garland and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am beyond thrilled today to introduce you to my guest. Her name is Leslie Jane Seymour and she's the founder and CEO of Covey Club. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to be talking to you today about Covey Club. And, you know, for the listeners, I've known Leslie for several years now. Uh, I was honored to have her as a speaker at one of my She Leads conferences a couple of years ago. And she was a hit. And after this conversation, you'll see why. But Leslie has an incredible story. And what she's doing now is helping women to reinvent themselves in the second chapter of their career journey or their life. So what I would love to do, Leslie, is talk a little bit about, you know, how you got here to the founder and CEO of Covey Club. And then let's talk all about Covey Club and this idea of reinvention. Well, what's hilarious is this morning, we just had one of our calls, we have Monday morning coaching calls, which are called positive mornings. And they've become very intense where we talk about, I have two reinvention coaches who come on with us and it's about 50 people. And we keep growing, more new people come each time, it's free. We try to open the doors to bring new people in. And the conversation was about gratitude and it got so deep that there were a couple of people talking very deeply about their family situations and what's gonna happen with Thanksgiving and they're not gonna be able to see each other. It got very, very intense, so intense that there were some tears shed and everybody, you know, was like, thank God for this place. And, you know, this is, you know, where I can come be myself. And for me, what was so interesting, Adrian, is I've always been a corporate cog. So I have never been an entrepreneur. And what they tell you, of course, you read the books and they say, you've got to manifest this thing. You know, if you build it, they will come, right? The old Kevin Costner baseball thing. I'm not a sports person either, but he put the, you know, builds the baseball diamond and all of a sudden these great people show up. <laughs> it happened. It happened. Like wow. I found, like I said to these ladies, I said, and I didn't even realize it. It, was a, it was a moment for me this morning of realizing that I had done something that I did when I was a kid that I didn't know I was doing, which was building a family that I didn't have back then. Hmm. And because my family split up, we had, you know, my parents divorced when I was 10 and then my dad married three times. It was a mess. I went away to boarding school. And when I got to boarding school, with all those women, that was when I created my family. Hmm. And strangely, 
Hmm. I mean, I know I've been motivated to bring people together. I'm a connector. I'm a gatherer. I'm an informer. That's what I love to do. But just this morning, honestly, was when I put the thread together all the way back to being 13 and realizing I was rebuilding using that same idea to build another family now for us in our second half of life. When it becomes very isolating and everybody's running into something. And of course, we all ran into COVID all at once. But I had no idea. And literally, I like had this big insight this morning. I was like, you know, because people say it's not a, it's not by accident that we end up doing what we do, right? Yeah. And, but I didn't know there was a through thread. Yeah, you, you just realized it when you I sort of took a step morning, back. I yeah. was like, holy crap, like yeah. we have, you know, like all these people who can't see their kids or can't see their grandchildren or can't be with their friends or their loved ones um, during the holidays. It's like, okay, well, we, we're, you know, our own little family here and that's why we're here. And I was like, you know, I can't believe that's what I was doing. I'm recreating what I did at boarding school. Yeah. And those people from my, you know, my age 13, when we meet up today, it can be 10 years. We haven't seen each other, but it's like we're 13 again. And I it, love that. And it's so bizarre how you learn all this stuff. And of course, you know, so I'll just to give everybody a little history of mine. I'm a publishing refugee. I ran many national magazines uh, among them YM, which used to be the old Young Miss, then Red Book then Mary Claire USA, and then more magazine. And my whole, you get down to the essence of why did I go into publishing? I was a writer. I wanted to be a writer. I had a very authoritarian father who didn't let you speak up and speak your mind. So I suppose that was my subversive way of getting around him. Mm. And um, so where do you put your writing? You put it into a magazine. And when I was 10, again, my parents, this is, you know, in the 60s, my parents were divorced and I was the only divorced kid on the block. And I wasn't allowed to play with other kids because the parents thought it was contagious. I was told <laughs> that, the you know, since my parents were divorced somehow, that meant that I was, you know, tainted and couldn't play with their kids. It was just oh, the whole thing is wow. ridiculous. Yeah. But the reason why I turned to magazines was to get over that isolation. I was like, wow, like, I, you know, this is horrible. I'm all alone here. And, you know, am I the only one? And you know, it's pretty devastating, terrible feeling at age 10. And um, lo and behold, you read a magazine and you find out you're not alone. There are other people having the same problem. They may not live next to you, but they are going through the same problem, experiencing the same thing and getting through it. So in a way, that's kind of what women's magazines have always been, even though with print, we really couldn't build a community. We kind of built a kind of community. People belonged to our community, but we really didn't belong to their community much. Do you know right. what I'm saying? It was a yes. one way, you know, like I'm a great MSNBC fan, but Rachel Maddow doesn't know who I am, right? Right. <laughs> Whereas now, because of technology, we can go back and forth. And that's what I really love. And that's what Covey's all about. So when they closed More Magazine, and my readers were very angry about them closing the magazine because it was a really intelligent magazine for women 40 plus it had beautiful writing yeah i loved it beautiful art i mean it was just a you know it was the best of the best yeah and um 
you know, they decided they didn't want older readers anymore. They had plenty of the readers. They couldn't get the advertisers and the advertisers were all hypocrites and they, you know, they would sell to older readers, but chase younger readers. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. So they closed the doors and my readers were angry and they came to my social media and they said, do something else for us. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I'm, yeah, I've been a corporate cog. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. Here, fill out this survey. So I made a survey, just made it up and it was 54 questions long, which anybody who knows anything about research knows <laughs> is the wrong thing to yes. do. <laughs> it's a little long. <laughs> 10 questions, please. And that's it. But 627 people took it to the end. And I made a map out of what wow. they told me. And I literally launched Covey Club out of that. And Covey's a small group of birds. Um, I was looking for words that represented a small gathering because there was a lot of stuff going on at the time. It was very large, mm-hmm. like the conferences for women, Massachusetts Conference for Women, Texas Conference for Women, 7,000 women showing up and you didn't really meet anybody yep. because you're sitting five football fields away from whoever's talking on stage yep. and they look like little ants and or maybe you're seeing them on a television monitor and you're wondering, why did I come here and eat the rubber chicken? You know, the, <laughs> So the idea was, how do I make something intimate, really connect? And I also believe that one of the gifts we can give each other, I've been very, very lucky. And I went way beyond what I ever thought I would do with my life and my career. I earned enough money. I had a great family. I had the family I always wanted that I never had as a kid. And, um, you know, a, a lot of that had to do with people. I didn't have any mentors, but I had people who opened doors for me and, hooked me up with people or said, go see so-and-so or made introductions. And so my, I feel like my give back and my ability at this point in my life is to say, let me do that for other people. I get a real kick out of it. When you research it, you find out there is actual dopamine that you get from doing things like that. So maybe I was addicted to that dopamine. Yeah, (laughs) I I get it. I mean, a hundred percent. You have that same feeling. It's, there's nothing more fun to me than sitting three people at a table and finding out, you know, a month later, one of them went into business with each other. The other two have become best friends. Yep. I mean, I'm like, I guess because, I guess because I I don't want to be that lonely kid on the block at age 10 who couldn't play with anybody because my parents were divorcing. Maybe that's why. But now that I'm this morning, I guess I'm very going all the way back to everything because of what I just discovered. Yeah. I mean, well, I feel so, I feel grateful that 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 sort of discovery or epiphany has come to the surface on the Sugar Coated Podcast. I, I feel so blessed. So thank you for sharing that because I do think that there is some type of internal driving force that's within all of us. And I I, yeah. I was sort of writing notes as you were talking about that connection. And and it's there is that thread. And but from from the surface level, you know, you working at a magazine to starting your own company, you know, right. it's it's similar, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's the same. But the way that you describe it, it is the same. It is it's, exactly the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same. There was a woman who um, I interviewed. She was the dean of students, and I'm forgetting what her name is. She went off to run Middlebury College. She's the president there. I don't know if she's still there. But she did a did a thing when I went to a, an, a, an alumni event at Duke, which was called "What's Your Story?" And she sat us all in the um, in a big, huge group in one of the classrooms 
um, auditoriums. And the whole thing was, she said her research, she was a social researcher, um, social sciences. And she would do this with the Duke students as well. That's how she got into it. And she said that there is a thread. If you look back, there is a motivational thread that explains what your story is all the way back that explain. And if you go back and study it and all the, her point is that nothing you do is mistaken. <laughs> it's not arbitrary. It's <sighs> not. And she said in particular, she found that threads from women who had taken time off to raise their kids and then come back, that the thread was even stronger. Really? And you can go back and find, and she called it, what's your story? I wrote about her and there's a whole technique of f- getting people to stand up and stay what their story is. Mm. And I remember going to that event and going, oh, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What's your story? Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, everybody has a story. Like, and it turned out to be the most profound thing oh I'd God. ever been through in my life. And it's true. Everybody has a story. And when you really sit down and ask yourself, what is that story that you have and that you have continued all the way through all the things you do? Yeah. Um, you can find that thread and everybody has a thread. It's yeah. not accidental. Even if you get knocked off course, you come back to the thread somehow. Oh, I you totally know? believe that. I do. Feel that way too? I, I, it, that resonates with me so much. And it makes me think of an idea that I had for like, I don't know if it was a business, but just like an idea that I had because I have always written as well, but personal writing, you know, journaling and, and right. things like that. And I, I've, I've kept a lot of my stuff and even back, I mean, I think the, maybe to middle school, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Why all of that? And I, when I go back and read, there are things that I still am like working on or like mm-hmm. trying to figure out today that mm-hmm. I was thinking about in sixth grade. <laughs> yes. <gasps> it's it's so interesting. You yeah. may know a lot more. You may have lived a lot more. But, it's but the I think same. What you, I think that if you're talking to people who have to reinvent, I think that's one of the most important mm. things to spend time finding mm. what is that, what is your highly motivational thing and forget making money, forget, I mean, all of that stuff is true. There's a bazillion ways to make money. Right. Right. What is your story about why you, you want to make money this way? Yeah. Or you want to present yourself to the world this way or that way. And once you know that, once you can put a, finger on it. It's actually quite freeing because then you realize you're not trapped in the job you're in. You may, you know, you may, so say, say your thing is supporting, you find out that you want to support women um, who have no voice, right? And you found yourself as an editor at a magazine that was giving voice to people who didn't have voices. And I did a lot of that at Mary Claire, and that made me very, very happy. Yeah. But there are many other ways to do that. You can do that through a podcast. You can do that through, you know, giving, working with people in small groups and and doing therapy. You can, I mean, there are many ways. Once you find out what that motivation is, the mechanics of producing it, working with it, entering into it 
can be very different at different stages of your life and you can still feel very true to who you are. Yeah. And that transcends your industry. That's right. Transcends your industry, transcends how you, yes. Once you know what that motivation is, then it can manifest itself. That's hard to uncover sometimes though. Yeah. Yes. You need help. It's very hard to do it yourself. You often need help. Um, You have to know yourself pretty well, probably do a little therapy. Yes. Um, (laughs) I think we all need a little therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a really important thing to do to figure out who you are because it really, it really helps you later on in life because look, there are a lot of, you know, people are all bent in some way. And when you know how you've been bent, when someone tries to tell you you've been bent in a different way, you can go, mm, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> nope, I'm bent in this way, not that way. This thing is yours. <laughs> That's yeah. not me. Yes. <laughs> you know? And then you can also brace yourself against the things that, you know, everybody has weaknesses based on how they grew up or how they were raised. And you can bolster those things. And then you can also, you know, times there are times when you have to make a judgment about, how you are compared to where you are. And sometimes you have to say, I don't want to change to be like these other people. I want to be who I am. And, you know, that happened with me. I spent the first, you know, greater first 10 years of my career, first, yeah, like more than 10, 12 years of my career with the mean girls. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was, I was at Vogue for nine years. I was, at Women's Wear Daily, not an easy place to be, um, in the fashion industry, in journalism. And, you know, people were not nice. They're just not nice. It's not who they are. And I remember got to a certain point at Vogue, and I was an editor, and I wanted to get to the next level. And I remember people telling me, they said, you're never going to make it here. You're too nice. And I was horrified. Mm. That was like a slap in the face. That yeah. was like, you know, you've lost. Ugh. And I was like, I was struggling with, okay, how do I be nastier and bitchier? <laughs> you know, seriously. I mean, I, that was where I wanted to be. It was like the Cartier of fashion. I, I aspired to, you know, to be in this area. And then, you know, I realized I didn't want to be that. Yeah, Like there must be another way. And then I had to go off and find my own way to be myself. I'm not a pushover anymore. I was in the beginning, but I generally like being a really nice person. I generally like being a good person. I generally like being fair in business. I, you know, sometimes you can't be. Right. But in general, that's what I like. And I get, I feel comfortable that way. I don't feel comfortable crapping on people and stepping on people and using people. That's just, it's one way to get ahead, but I don't like it. It's yeah. a, I can't go to sleep at night. I, I don't feel good. And yeah. um, other people do, and good for them. I'm not built that way. Yeah. I, you know, I feel too uncomfortable. So you have to, you have to find your way. And I'm still finding my way through that. What I love is now doing my own business is I can be that person I want to be, but I have to toughen myself up now, like when I'm asking people for money for my services. Yeah. Because I like to give so much that I don't like to charge. Yeah. But oh, I'm right with you. Yes, yeah, you have, I have to. to charge. It's a freaking <laughs> business. Yeah. But it's very hard. 
if you want to be liked and loved, you think that if you ask people to pay for it, they're going to be angry, which of course is stupid. Right. Because <laughs> I would pay, you know, I'm, I pay people to, you know, to detail my card. Do am I resentful if they do a great job? No, I pay them hundreds of dollars. It looks great. Right. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled they have this expertise. Would I expect them to do it for free? No. But, you know, you get into this whole thing where you have to, it's, it's the good girl thing. I, I had a big good girl complex. So, yeah. And good girls don't ask for money. I had that big complex too, which I'm still trying to get over. But I was going to ask you, you know, what, what are the things that have helped you to get over that? Because at some point you have to, because what mm-hmm. I've, in in my mind, I haven't necessarily put it into practice. I'm working on the exact same thing, but can, you know, we can have our own. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> once a week, yes. When you think about it, though, you're sort of you're being kind. Well, you're also being kind, maybe in your mind to everybody, but the person that you're not being kind to yes, is yourself, right? And well, so no, I, yeah. you can't run the business. You won't be able to continue to run the business to make these people happy if you don't charge them. Right, right. So it, it's sort of like the mind and the thought comes first, mm-hmm. but you really have to believe that. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's the hard thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I just think one uh, with entrepreneurship specifically is it, it's not just about the business and, and all of it. It's more about who are you? Yes. <laughs> Right. You have to like look behind all of those doors that you may have closed or that you just, you know, you just don't even want to look at, but you have to in order to have a successful business. Well, because you what's interesting about corporate life is you can kind of find your way into a nice little wedge where you deal with the things that you're good at and somebody else probably can run the things you're not good at, right? Yep. yep. Because everything is so, you know, bureaucratic so and compartmentalized. Yeah, compartmentalized, yeah. right? So, Red taped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that, so it worked very well for me to be an editor in chief of a magazine. I didn't have to deal with the money side. There was yeah. somebody coming behind me and, and doing other stuff that had to do with the money. I didn't have to worry about it. But in your own business, you have to deal with that. And, and you know, and I, and I look at the craziness of it and I think about all the things that I pay for that I am thrilled to pay for. Yeah. But, you know, I have a stigma. It's because I had, I had a dad who told me you weren't allowed to ask for anything, especially not money, not money ever. Yeah. And not only your dad, but society too. Yeah, well, then you layer that on top. And yeah. I had a particularly toxic father who, you know, was, you know, basically, you're not allowed to ask for a thing. And Oof. even if you, you know, you're dying out in the creek there, don't come <sighs> knocking on my door. <laughs> and he had money. It's not like he didn't have money. He was just a very stingy person. So, you know, Leslie, I, I mean, it. you and I've known you for years. And, and I mean, I, you truly are a kind person. You're very open and welcoming. And I, I mean, I've even been to your home with your, uh, was it oh, red, yeah, red cup? Little, yeah, but, red which was, cup women parties. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah, but yeah. you just, you just made everybody feel so at home. And right. so I like uh, doing that. Yeah. And you it. can tell. Gives me joy. Yeah. Yes. And you can tell. And I think it's incredible that you were raised in an environment that sort of didn't promote that. And, and you turned out like you did. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And that that's like 
that transcends family, right? That's well, almost like it's God. doing the opposite of your family. I had a fabulous, I had a, I had a pretty crappy childhood because of my parents. My parents, neither one should have had children. Mm. You know, they were, it was the 1950s. Look, everybody in the 50s thought they had to have kids, right? Right. And they shouldn't have. They were just, you know, my dad had too many issues. I don't know what his issues were completely. He was a doctor with a God complex and then a mother who was very unstable. And so my childhood was not great. And so I, when I finally got into my therapy in my 20s, and the most, <laughs> the most meaningful thing I was telling my son this the other day, I had this therapist who said, you know, do you want to have kids? And my thought was, I said to him, I said, why would anybody do that to anybody? What a yeah. horrible thing. Like, it was such a painful childhood. <laughs> who wants that? And he looked at me and he goes, you know, you can do it differently. Oh. And I was like, I can? Really? <laughs> I had no idea. Like, of course, it, of course you can, but you don't know that when you're, you know, when you think things are only one way. And so that is why I am this open, you know, person who likes to have people around me and welcome them and have them as part of my family and, you know, too much in many ways. I get disappointed um, when, you know, I make relationships. I don't make real friendships, I make relationships. Yeah. And then disappointed when those don't work out. Or, you know, when people I've been close to for, you know, rather long time turn out to not be who they you thought they were or whatever. But that's all right. I've learned to get over it. But that's, that's doing tough. the opposite. It's yeah. doing the opposite of what I was, you know, raised to do. So th I mean I, I just I think that in a lot of ways too, and I you know, I, I don't know a lot about like Tony Robbins, even, yeah. I, you know, I've read a couple of books, but there, there is one thing I think that he says, it's like your greatest, th these are not the words at all. These mm -hmm. are my words. Like your mm -hmm. greatest pain is almost mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know the words, but like the, the rubbing stone that like mm -hmm. gets you to be who you are. And it's like, without mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you would never almost be who you are. So yeah. in a way it's yeah. like, thank, thank that yeah, because right. <laughs> you might've turned out like really, really bad. You yeah. you might've been yeah. one of the mean girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Could have had a great childhood and, yeah. and, worked, and worked at Vogue the rest of my life. Exactly. Well, but, who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know it is funny how you you can, and that's what I, I have to tell you that's what I love about being an entrepreneur what I really love is that I get to pick and choose who I work with I don't have to work with the mean people anymore you know even people who sign up and are really difficult about this or difficult about that I'm like you know what here's your money back I don't think this is right for you yeah Ooh. just well, it's like, we don't, we don't need any toxicity here. Just, you know, if you've got stuff to work out, go work it out somewhere else. Yeah. And um, you don't, you get to pick and choose, you know, and you get to pick who you want to work with. And, you know, back in corporate, you didn't have that choice. No, so I love that. I love, you are know. The, are the members of Covey Club, are, are they a mix of people? Yeah. That, because they're really the, the women of Covey Club are on the older. They're, they're, yes. they're not filled 54. with 20. Okay, yeah, go ahead. 54 is the average age. I have to Ooh. go back and I haven't done a, I haven't done a um, survey in a while. I need to do that. 54 is the average age. They're incredibly well-educated. Some people say that scares them. And I will tell everybody, don't be intimidated. They're 
all just like you and me, they, they tend to have a lot of education. The, I guess because we call ourselves lifelong learners. Yep. So that would make sense. I mean, you know, I laugh when I meet the new people, you know, we'll have a conversation, someone signs up and they're living in California and I get on the phone and, you know, they're a psychologist and they're doing this and now they're going back to school for that. And they're like, and you're like, oh God, it's the same person. Doesn't matter where you are, you're the, it's the same person. Yeah. Who comes into our purview and um, becomes part of us. But they tend to be women of, uh, who have agency, who feel like they can act on the world. They tend to be, you know, sort of managerial, CEO, CFO, C-suite level, or into entrepreneurs. They are all in transition. I could have ah. called this women in transition, but I think it would have had other overtones if we said that. Yes. But, you know, the idea being that it's a health issue, empty nest. Um, now we've got, you know, divorce, widowhood, changing jobs, losing a job. You know, we have a big reinvention angle um, that we do. In fact, you might say that reinvention is behind almost everything we do. And um, we have a podcast, which is called Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour, where I interview people who've reinvented themselves or who are creating platforms for women to reinvent themselves. Mm. And mainly it's inspiration and how-to at the same time. Yes. I'm getting those women to say you know, two or three steps that you need to take to do what they did. And these people, I mean, some of them, I don't know why, you know how you go in waves? Yeah. I'm like in the wave of like frighteningly deep stories about people who, like I started out with, you know, I was a cheesemaker and I became an airline pilot or, you know, now <laughs> in these, I don't know why we've done over a hundred, but now we're, I just had a wave of them of, you know, people who left religious cults and oh, wow. live their lives. You know, this one woman wrote this book about living her, a life of spirituality. She tried 24 different types of spirituality, but grew up in this very tight little Dutch cult in um, Ontario hmm. and broke away and took her all this time, you know, into her 50s to find her way back to her relationship with her mom. And it's funny too, because she tried Reiki, she tried, you know, incense burning mushrooms <laughs> I mean, so I run into that and then at the same time I also ran into this other one just all of a sudden a woman who you know when she was 29 she um, was traveling they were traveling in Germany the van she was in she was a doctor she was a radio was she a radiologist she just finished med school her husband's a doctor the van got stuck on the train track and got hit by the train. Oh, my God. And she lost both her legs and an arm. Oh, my And she God. went on to have a family and children, and she wrote a piece for us. It's up on the Covey site. I just came out. I think it just came out. I can look and see what the name of it is. My mother, it's called My Daughter, My Enabler. My Daughter, My Enabler. Oh, my God. And she took her daughter. Her daughter wanted to go back and see the hospital where it all happens. So it's about this trip. I know it gives you goosebumps, right? Yeah. So you say to yourself, like, wow, like, you know, and I'm worried that, you know, I lost my senior VP position at blah -de blah And this woman, you know, went lost, on to have lost a of her limbs. Right. Yeah. And went on, so I can probably do this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I can probably do this. I can figure this out. I'll, I'll be able to do it. 
Yeah, I, th- I, those are that's. I'm blown away by that story. Oh, Speechless. It's amazing. <laughs> no, we have her. She wrote the story for us, and then we also have a podcast of her. But it's on the Covey. If you go to CoveyClub.com, you can read the story. It's it's out there. All right, we'll and, definitely uh, include that link also in the yeah. show notes because I think so many people will be interested in that and and you don't want to compare yourself to anybody because you don't want to, you know, feel bad, but there is inspiration behind that message. Like, Mm -hmm. like really evaluate yourself from a different perspective and and then, and then speak positivity into yourself. Not like, Mm -hmm. come on, stop being such a whiner, but like, you know, you can do this. Yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a lot to be grateful for and a lot to be, and, you know, one of the things I learned, you know, when I turned 60, I, I, a lot of people are, it's funny, I still see them. They're like all over Facebook going, oh my God, I have a big birthday. And I'm like, what birthday? And they're like, oh, I'm turning 50. And I'm like, oh, please. Like, you know, you're a baby. It's gravy. Let me tell yeah. you how many people I know who didn't make it to 60. Yeah. And I know people who I worked with who didn't make it to 60. And I'm like, if I make it to 60, man, every day is going to be, and that's not to say that every day I wake up and I'm, you know, perfect, but I try to think about like, you know, I'm lucky. I'm, you know, I'm mobile. I feel good. My hair is amazing. (laughs) I feel, you know, if I get the right shampoo, I'm really ecstatic, (laughs) but, um, it, there is so much to be grateful for. And as we go through this, you know, terrible cataclysmic time. Ooh, sorry. There's a, I don't know what's going on outside there. Um, oh, the heck? Oh, oh, somebody's digging in and shaking our whole house. Oh, my gosh. Do you hear that? There's yeah, a digger. Okay. I can see it. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. This is living in New Orleans. Something yeah. always going on. He's shaking my whole house with that. Oh, my that. gosh. Yeah, I um, heard it. It was, like, it was a boom. Yeah. He's, you know what? I can go to the back. Let me go to the back of the house. Okay. Who knew this was going to happen? Anyway, it's okay. We can, and we can either that. cut it out or we can just keep <laughs> going. This is pretty listen, hilarious. Let me tell end. you something. This is real life. You know, we're in COVID. We're at home and oh anything is happening. Absolutely. So <laughs> I think he's digging up the sidewalk in front of our house. It's they dig up everything in New house. Orleans. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Away from the digger. I had a broadcast out of my closet two times last week. So. Oh, yeah. Because we're, we're um, in the process of putting a um, pool in the backyard, which I'm really excited oh, about. Oh, that's so, so nice. But it's oh. very noisy. Well, you also made a big move from New York yeah, metro area. Yes, yes. I lived in New York for the last 40 years. And then we got to a point where Jeff and I said, you know, kids are gone. They're not coming back. You know, they come back for, you know, a little bit here and there, you know, long weekend here, uh, four or five days there. But why are we sitting in the suburbs of New York when we don't like the cold weather? Yep. And um, where can we be that we think might be more interesting for us? And we've been looking in many different places. We decided we wanted warm weather. We wanted a university town. We wanted diversity, both yeah. of age, race, and economics, yeah. and we wanted culture. And we've been coming to New Orleans for 30 years and on and off as tourists, and we always loved it. There was always something about this 
place huh. that is very, you either fall in love with it or you don't. Like, yeah, the, almost everybody who I meet who's living here, they, they have the same dumb look on their face and they go, and I just fell in love with it and I couldn't, <laughs> I had to live here. Everybody, it's just like this. Like a pull. Um, yeah, it's like this, did you, if it grabs you, it grabs you. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and you can be 18 and it grabs you and you end up here when you're 30 or 60 or whatever. And um, so that's what happened to us. And we've been extremely happy, of course, going through the pandemic has made it all a little scary and difficult. And we can't fly up to New York for our doctors. So we got to switch our doctors down here and all that stuff. But that's all right. Yeah, no, and that's probably yeah. a good decision anyway, because you don't yeah. necessarily want to be flying to your doctors. Right. <laughs> I don't know what I thought we were going to be doing. How did I think we were going to do that? But this is so typical New Yorker, right? Yeah, like, right. I'll just fly well, to my doc. I'll just fly to my doc. <laughs> are you more in the, uh, like the French Quarter area? Or are you sort of right outside? outside the French Quarter. Beautiful. And so you can take goodness. advantage of that. Yes, we can walk to it, but we're not in it. And, um, you know, we, we would have probably bought in it because we didn't really know anything better. And thank goodness we didn't because it's, it's actually more fun to be on the outside of it. It's sure. actually um, a lot quieter and a lot less noisy and a lot less filled with drunken people. Right. So <laughs> it's much nicer. And then we walk over when we want to walk over. And, That's so um, nice. Yeah, it's a very green city. That's what I like about it. And everybody here is incredibly, incredibly creative. Yes. And people make things by hand. They, They saw things, paint things, stitch things. There's so much creativity because there's not a lot of industry here. There's not a lot. What you have a lot of up north, especially like we were living in the suburbs of New York, you have a lot of fairly colorless people who can sort of just be middle managers at fairly colorless businesses. Yeah. You know, you can be a middle manager at an insurance agency. You don't have to be a particularly a character. You can just be a good person, right? Yeah. Here down here, you have to be scrappy and a character because mm. there's none of that. There's no middle management for anything. You have hospitality and yep. that's why people are so incredibly friendly. And you have the fifth circuit of lawyers, and then you have, you know, a little bit of healthcare. It's, you've got a couple of uh, schools in healthcare, but that's it. You don't have, you have a ton of entrepreneurs, a lot of female entrepreneurs down here who I'm meeting. Really? Yep. A lot of, you know, stores, a lot of people make stuff. They're chefs, they're cooks, they're, they make costumes, they huh. make there's a lot of costuming that goes on here very seriously, not like party city costumes, like what we right. know up north. <laughs> this is like serious, like Broadway level costuming for all kinds of stuff. And people make money at it, like yeah. hat makers, mask makers. I mean, it's a very, very creative community. And um, the people who come and actually stay here tend to be very open to new things, trying things, doing things, hmm. furniture making, um, you know, just all very hmm. creative. Makers. Yeah. Right. Makers. Creators and makers. I love that. You know, I've been to New Orleans, New Orleans a couple of times, mainly for, you know, 
a conference or, yes. or you know, and I've gone on tours, you know, inside right. and outside of the city and everything. But I think that when the pandemic is over, I'm going to have to come down and you're going to have to yes. <laughs> take yes. me well, on a tour. Well, yes. well you know, okay. we planned, I would love we that. planned a big, huge event down here. I was planning an event for June oh. um, of last year. That was because everybody so much wanted to come and see it. And, you know, yeah. of course, the longer I'm here, the better it is because I learn about all these insider things. I now have the best snowball place, which is the shaved ice place, which is one of my mm. favorite things they do down here. And I also have the best donut place on the face of the earth. Oh my I God. would put it against anything. It's a total dive place. But like I have all these places now where I, you know, I can pull from. Yeah. And they're not things you would find in a book. They're not things that are on anybody's list anywhere, but they're so fabulous. I would love that. And are you are you going to do? Stuff. Are you going yeah, we'll to do, do it again? We'll okay. do it again. Yeah. Once people can fly, yeah, we'll do this again. We had it all planned out. It was going to be really fun oh. with yoga in the Cabildo. The Cabildo is where um, they actually transferred the papers for the Louisiana purchase. It's this Whoa. big old Spanish building in the middle of town. It looks like Disney. You've seen the pictures. When you see New Orleans, you mostly see that picture. It's called the Cabildo. Okay. And it was the Spanish Parliament um, at the time when the when Spain owned this place. And um, you can do yoga in the main hall. And oh my um, yeah, there's just like there are all kinds of crazy things, and you know there are a couple of places that they preserved the way they were like, you know, in 1949 or, and you can listen to music in the same hall, the same way it was in 1949. And um, that's called preservation hall. There's all, there's just all kinds of. I love it. That bring you back to the history. You're very, what's interesting about New Orleans, which is what I love too, is you are living very close to history here. And it's not always pleasant history. Some of it's very dark history. But it's right here. It's right here. You're on top of it. You know. Yeah. It's it's in your face all the time. And I love history. So we are constantly stumbling across, oh, there's the Degas house. He spent, you know, a couple of um, years living down here. There's, you know, all this of all the writers have come through here. Yes. And there's the Faulkner house. He actually yep. wrote some of his books down here. You know, people have come through here and stayed here. Um, and created there. And created there. And cute. now reinventing yeah. there. They're reinventing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's a good, it's a, people here are always into reinvention. And that is part of, and, and again, it goes back, I've been doing a lot of the history of New Orleans just because I'm interested. But they, um, it's partly in their blood because um, when you go back, when you dig into the history of New Orleanians, um, when they were a French garrison here on the little square on the river, they actually went to the military commander because, you know, they would have military parades, right? They would dress up in their finery and they would um, march around. That's what you do in the military, right? right? This is what, the 1700s. And they actually went to the top guy and said they wanted more distinct groups and divisions because they wanted different uniforms. (laughs) They wanted to change the uniforms. They didn't want to be in the same uniform all the time. So these people have been into dressing up. It goes all the way through their history. Yeah, it goes through their history. And um, these people have been, you know, 
way before Carnival was ever started here, they have been into dressing up. Yeah. And well, it's it means a dress something. up crowd. Yeah. 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 It's, and it's not like dress up and go to the Plaza Hotel. It's dress up in costumes. Yeah. Right. And, and it's almost like bring out an aspect of yourself yes. that you aren't bringing to your every yes. day. You can put something on and you can be, yes. you can be more or less of yourself, right? That's yes. amazing. And just on an average day, when things are not pandemic right now, it's not like that. But when, when it's average, you'll just go to like the film festival and the girl will come, come out and, you know, like you or me who's running it, but she's in full costume and you're like, did I miss something? Is this <laughs> day? Like, oh no, that's, that's New Orleans. But she's got a wig and she's got, you know, and she's not a drag queen. She's just in costume. She's not like being in costume. So she's in a sequin, a dress and a pink wig. And she's, I mean. That kind of sounds like fun. <laughs> it is fun. People yeah. here are fun. They're yeah. crazy fun. So yeah. oh, I that's love what we're it. learning. All yeah. right. Well, I'm def- definitely keep me on the list Good. for Excellent. the. Yeah, I have to. I have to come down <laughs> and and fun. see see New Orleans through your eyes as yes. well too. Cause yes. That because that's a different aspect. So yes. I love it, and I love you so much, and I am just so happy to to just have a conversation with you. I feel Good. like this is Absolutely. a great like phone Absolutely. call. <laughs> you Good. and I catching up. Yes. Um, and you know how could people because the Coffee Cup Club really is this intimate genuine group of people and and you do so much right you have like book club you have your yeah we open yeah. the book club we have so what we have is written content by the best writers in the world so a lot of essays but very thoughtful high quality stuff some how to's what exploded during the pandemic are our webinars which we're now sort of segueing into classes we have those about 3 times a week and then we have our positive mornings on monday mornings which are coaching sessions about how to set up your week to make it go positively forward. And some people are, I've heard people say they're afraid, like, oh, this is such an intimate group, I can't break in. We are welcoming, we are open, we love new people. We have an app where it's a private app, which is um, to chat, to talk. We also um, run various programs through there. We have our Covey curators where we have people come and sign up to be, they will give opinions for people trying to create products in this area for women like us. Hmm. And they will give critiques and things like that. And we're in January, we're going to relaunch, we're going to relaunch our, the structure of the club. So we'll have the um, subscriber and you can subscribe by going to coveyclub.com and just hitting the subscribe button and you'll get on the letter from Leslie. And there's two letters a week and they go through all the classes we offer each week. And then I look for stuff around um, not only our site, but out there that's interesting stuff to read about, you know, health and um, lifestyle for women like us. Mm-hmm. And then um, we reprise that um, on Tuesdays, we give you the long look at all the webinars. We have so we have about fifteen webinars a month. Whoa! And we have a whole library for people who join. You can you'll be able to buy the webinars individually if you don't want to join. But if you join, you get access to the whole library. We have now a library of webinars that is everything from how to get your LinkedIn up to snuff, and these are all given by the. I mean, think about like you know any universe top university level stuff. I mean, we're killing it in terms of 
the teaching we do. Amazing. And we bring in the right experts. And it can be how to get your LinkedIn set up, how to write a modern resume, all the way to DIY beauty. And uh, what are we doing today? We're doing, you know, we've done great stuff on should you buy a business instead of launching one yourself. Mm. I mean, how to get health insurance for small businesses and entrepreneurs. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. Plus, we'll do relationship stuff. You know, we'll do, we had a great thing about, you know, are the kids okay after the pandemic, how to bring up those conversations because we know everybody's going to be in such tough times. So we do that. We have the written content. Then we have our events. Once the pandemic's over, we do a great spa retreat to a place called Savannah in Arizona. We had 60 women at that. It was so much fun. It will be even more fun when we can get back together. And then again, because everybody had so much fun there and they wanted me to do a trip to New Orleans, I was planning a New Orleans trip. And then because one of this is how this happens, and you know, you're an entrepreneur, one of the girls on our positive morning calls happens to have been on her way around the world reinventing herself when she got stopped by the pandemic in Croatia. She was studying indigenous health issues Mm -hmm. um, and how to, she had suffered burnout herself and how to treat various things using local knowledge. And she was going country by country. She was doing 20, 12 countries in uh, 12 months and she got stopped. She's in Croatia. She happens to be an event planner in her past life. So she invited us all to come over there. So we're planning that. Count me in. (laughs) So so we do events. We do a lot of stuff. We do virtual, but it's great to come get to know us virtually. Yes. Some people say they're intimidated because the women seem to be very successful, but I don't draw the mean girls, as you can tell. I draw the nice girls and um, they may be accomplished, but they're really nice. I can attest to that. Just everybody that I've ever met through you has been the kindest, the nicest. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You don't need the mean girls. They're out there. They can go somewhere else. They can get together somewhere else. <laughs> so, oh, you know, oh. it's really fun. That's how they can find us. We do have a book club now. And uh, can I ask you one question? Because I, I know, you know, I know when you started Covey Club and everything. And, and how long has it been? Just has three it been years. three? It's okay. Three in, so you've really, February. you've done so much in three years. It's incredible. But I know in the beginning, you, you know, you sort of had your incredible, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if she's a manager, assistant, Marissa. Oh, Marissa's still with me. I told you I make it's relationships incredible. for life. Incredible. And she she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but do Just you like, have a team? Because the, this is a no, lot geez. that you just, I know she's just my, she, Marissa's part-time. Okay. And now we got her some jobs working with some other people who we met through the club where she can now actually make some money, which is great. And then um, I have a part-time editor, somebody okay. who'd worked with me at Meredith and that's it. And that's why Whoa. this year was supposed to be our year. We've been in the black for the first two years, luckily, which is unusual for um, a new business. This was our year we were going to make money. And um, I had set goals. And because of my money issues, I have trouble doing all that. I actually set the goals. (laughs) I, you know, my bookkeeper was like, you want to do what? I was like, (laughs) let me just set this big thing. And if we make it halfway, I'll be thrilled and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, of course, then COVID kicked our knees out. So but we'll have a third year of being flat and then hopefully 21 and 22 because we have to start making money or it can't, it won't be a business. So yeah, right. that's the reality and we're working on it and um, we have great offerings and we're going to 
you know, we're creating all kinds of other things that we're doing. We're doing masterminds and we're doing pods and we're doing all kinds of things that will connect people to each other in different ways. So incredible. But next year will be next year will be the year. Yeah. Next year is the year. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to pay your people and you have to grow or you, or it's not the right thing. But it's not I'm, a business, right? It's a hobby. Yeah, right. It's a hobby. Right. And so it's too much time spent on it for it to be a hobby and it's too good to just be a hobby. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know that you're going to kill it get next year. You will. You, you 100% will. Because everybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, are yeah, millions and millions us. of listeners. Yeah, exactly. they'll, they'll join Covey Club. And right. Leslie, just thank you so much for spending so right. much time with me today and reconnecting. Yeah, it's um, good to talk to you, Adrian. And yeah. you take care. Okay. And, and right. can people connect with you on LinkedIn as well? Oh, yes. Come follow me on LinkedIn. And more, even more fun. I do a silly and this is nothing to do with Covey, though. It just brings in a different crowd just during the pandemic because I have a cuckoo sense of humor on my Instagram as my daughter called me and she goes, have you turned into a meme or something like my girlfriend say you're doing nothing but memes? I'm like, yes, I just to make myself laugh through this horrible, horrible time. My account became a meme account, but people enjoy it. They say it makes them laugh. So I try to make you laugh on a daily basis so we don't take this all too too, you know, seriously. So it's Leslie J. Seymour. You can find me. Oh, I'm going over there right now as soon as we it's hang up. Silly, <laughs> it's just silly stuff, but it will make you laugh. And we oh. know that actually making you laugh is good for your health. So yes. Well, thank you so much. This was good. wonderful. And Great. I hope to talk to you again super soon. We will talk soon. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye. is the She Leads Podcast Network.